Welcome to The Rebound, where we'll explore the issues facing supply chain managers as our industry gets back up and running in a post-COVID world. This podcast is hosted by Abe Eskenazi, CEO of the Association for Supply Chain Management, and Bob Troublecock, Editorial Director of Supply Chain Management Review. Remember that Abe and Bob welcome your comments. Now to today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of The Rebound, speaking up for diversity and inclusion in the supply chain. I'm Bob Troublecock. And I'm Abe Eskenazi. And joining us today are Katie Fowler and Pamela Dow. Katie and Pamela are both ASCM board members. And for today's discussion, they're wearing their ASCM hats. However, they're both experienced supply chain leaders in their day jobs. Katie is head of integrated business planning at Signify, a leader in connected LED lighting systems based in the Netherlands. Pamela is vice president, global supply chain, integrated planning, analytics, and technology at Tenneco. Katie, Pamela, welcome. Thanks, Bob and Abe. I'm very happy to be here to champion diversity in supply chain. Yes, thank you, Abe and Bob. Appreciate the opportunity to be here with Katie discussing diversity and inclusion in the supply chain profession. Well, we're thrilled to have you both here to talk about this this topic. Last summer, I had the chance to interview the chief supply chain officer for a large wine and spirits distributor. Now, over the years, I've done a number of stories about his company's automated distribution centers, as well as a supply chain redesign they did to aggregate their slow movers. That's supply chain stuff. So I was a little surprised when his communications team told me what he really wanted to talk about was the company's diversity and inclusion initiatives. Just a few weeks ago, I had a chance to talk to the authors of a book on lean transformation titled Steel Toes and Stilettos. The authors, both women, cut their teeth in manufacturing at a time when women were few and far between on the factory floor. And while they now consult on lean transformation, they said a lot of the questions they're getting asked today are about diversity and inclusion and building diverse teams. So there's clearly something in the water right now, as everyone, no matter what their business, is in a war for talent. Katie and Pamela bring at least two perspectives to this discussion. First, as said, they are experienced supply chain professionals, and they've excelled in their field. And they have both done so in industries that were primarily male and probably not particularly diverse when they joined. So to kick it off, how about a little background? How did each of you find supply chain? Katie, why don't you go first? Well, Bob, really, it found me. I guess I was in high school and, and there was this event that came up and I, I really wanted to lead the event. Um, but instead, I was chosen actually to be the logistics director. And I resolved to do the best possible job so that I would be chosen the following year to, for the leadership role. Well, I was the logistics director twice before I became the leader. And my father, who's also in supply chain, urged me to really think about what I liked about what I did in that retreat. And especially since the local university, University of Tennessee, was uh, a top-ranked school in the field. So that's how it found me, and, and that's how my supply chain journey began. So for me, it was back in the 80s. Katie, not sure if you were born yet, but I was attending Michigan State University, and I needed to declare a major. And I ran into a friend, and she was so excited about the major that she had just uh, selected. And she said, it's a really great new and upcoming program in the business school, and it's called Materials Logistics Management. 
which now is referred to as supply chain management. She said there would be tons of opportunity and that the counselor said that it would be a career in great demand in the future. And there aren't that many people in it. And MSU was just one of four schools that offered it at the time. So I jumped on board and I've been working in supply chain operations for the past 35 years since. Really interesting how you both found, or as Katie points it, how supply chain found you. And I think that's more of the path that most individuals have found their ways into supply chain industries that have been traditionally dominated by men. You could really say that it was an old boys network from way back when. Pamela, you started in steel stamping and automotive. Katie, you've worked in oil and gas, predominantly male-dominated industries. What was the experience like when you went in there? Were a lot of other women in there or were you guys like unicorns trying to find your way through your early years? Yeah, so basically I I had no idea what I was getting myself into, right? I I literally answered a blind ad in a newspaper (laughs) and it turned out to be a a great company that that I was with for about 11 and a half years. And I was just thrilled to have a job. Uh, I was really fortunate at the time the government had just mandated airbag systems and we were making the electromechanical sensing devices. And it was part of a, a launch of a brand new greenfield site. I was the 12th person hired And I was asked to launch the MRP system. And I said, well, there's a bunch of wires hanging from the ceiling. Who's going to do the computers? And they said, well, why don't you just do that too? And I had really only had one class of computers in college and and had never touched one really other than that. But I was a self-starter. I was very inquisitive. I built a very strong network of support. And I also had an insatiable thirst for learning. I became involved with APEX in the early 90s, which is now ASCM. And that developed my skills even further. I had great bosses that challenged me, and I was given a new leadership role within the plant about every two years for the 10, 10 and a half years that I was there. Becoming materials manager at 29, operations manager over three facilities, program manager, and then I was the pilot site for the SAP implementation for the division. I was often the only woman in the conference room. But there was a very, um, I guess I would say I was very observant about leadership and communication styles, very aware of how I interacted with men, how they perceived my interactions and perceived me. And I would also um, talk with a lot of good friends and coworkers and and role play or talk about the situation and and how the responses were uh, to the way that I was projecting or, or presenting something or trying to get a decision made. And uh, they would coach me uh, for how to be a strong, confident female and and be able to survive in a male-dominated industry. So I I grew up with parents who told me that I could do anything I wanted, despite the fact that I grew up with some significant vision challenges. But they also taught me that I had to work for it. Either I had to learn about it, become good at it, become a master at that skill, or adapt and overcome these challenges. This really gave me a fierce drive and a voice, both inwardly and outwardly, so much so that I had a colleague of mine describe me to a new team member as an all-terrain vehicle. It doesn't really matter if there's a road, I'm, I'm still going to get there. And throughout my career, that's really served me well. But also, I see the opportunities that, that I lost is because I muted that internal drive and voice. And I I started to doubt myself. I think as women, I believe we struggle with self-doubt and doubt can be very helpful, triggering us to stop and reflect before acting or doubt can cripple us and start us on a path of self-sabotage. 
It seems as if during the pandemic, there's been this renewed energy around what used to be called corporate responsibility and now falls under ESG. Um, diversity is certainly part of that. Uh, you know, as the uh, chief supply chain officer for Southern Glazers, you know, wanting to talk to me about their diversity and inclusion efforts. So, Pamela, for you, why is diversity important to supply chain? Why should it be a consideration? So you're right. As I reflect on ESG and and how that's you know grown over the years, and and uh, the the aspects of it range from diversity and inclusion to data security, fair labor, harassment policies, and ultimately customer satisfaction. And the importance is that supply chain is all about solving problems and implementing solutions. So diversity of thought provides us the opportunity to be creative and brainstorm new ideas and solutions that if we didn't have diversity, we may be kind of stuck in the same way of doing things. And each year, ASCM actually publishes top trends in supply chain. And in the recent publication, uh, a few that were listed as, as either new or had advanced within the top 10 trends were advanced analytics and automation, finding, developing, retaining, managing supply chain talent, and then supply chain agility. So if you look at the things that we used to talk about 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, these trends are all new and they have all new ways of having to solve problems and to implement solutions. And we need that diversity of views, opinions, and perspectives on how to approach challenges or take on a new frontier. And it's critical to an organization's success. Uh, Abe, I wanted to ask a quick follow-up if I might. Um, sorry about that. Uh, Pamela, it's interesting to me that you mentioned, first thing you mentioned was diversity of thought. And when I talked with the um, the steel toes and stilettos um, women, one of the things that they said was that when they, that they were told that they had the most diverse teams within their organization, and they worked for a large manufacturer as well. And yet they said the thing that they praised or prized was diversity of thought. Can you just expand on that a little bit more since that was your first go-to and then Abe take over from there? Well, and, and you know, what's really interesting is that when I was sitting in those conference rooms, those meetings, those um, problem solving sessions, I literally always had a different idea or a different perspective. And it was so different from everybody else that was in the room. And I never understood why. And I never really gave it a voice because I was afraid of being wrong. And, and, and sometimes I would, but it was different from what all the men in the room were thinking. So therefore I, I stayed quiet for a long time. And then what I learned is that as I was having ideas and then as more diversity of thought started entering into these rooms and these meetings and, and, and sessions that we were having, it turned out that I was actually, I kind of had a breakthrough thought that no one else was thinking about. And that was that pivotal moment that I had to get confidence to have my voice, to be able to share diverse views. And um, so that was really, uh, I think, a learning that I went through um, quite a few years ago. Really interesting point that you're bringing up, Bob and um, Pam, uh, about the diversity question. And Katie, let me throw this question to you. Over time, we tended to see that diversity was measured with a quantitative marker, how many individuals of color, how many gender. That, in some organizations, started to segment the groups. For example, you had a woman's group 
or you may have had a people of colors group or you know LGBTQ associates working within an organization. When you think of diversity on teams, is it the aggregation of those individuals or is it something more? Is there something greater that we're looking at when we talk about diversity of thought, of perspective, of relationships? I think it's really all of the above, right? It's, it's more about a diversity of perspective and a diversity of thought, like you and Pam have mentioned, rather than diversity of labels. Um, I've been on so many teams that have both had racial, ethnic, LGBTQ, and gender diversity. And I found the more diverse the team, the more creative we became. And that creativity was power. And this didn't come without some patience. You as an individual need to ensure that you're open and respect and receptive. This includes checking your own biases or educating yourself on different cultures. Affinity groups in particular allow individuals an outlet to learn from each other on how to express their diversity, champion each other, and engage others for support. And in my opinion, these groups, while primarily supporting those they identify with, also exist to support those who do not identify as a part of that affinity group. As a leader, we need to know when and where and who to ask for help in understanding different perspectives. And that can really inspire trust. It also means that you're admitting a vulnerability in your understanding, but you're also showing courage enough to better yourself and gain more information. Pamela, you're an experienced professional and you're a woman in supply chain. Interestingly, today I got an email um, from an organization asking me if I wanted to be either a mentor or a mentee. So along with you know, ESG, diversity, inclusion, uh, being important topics today, the idea of mentoring or being mentored, you know, given uh, the turnover uh, in, in any workforce, I think is becoming important. So given your dual roles, you know, do you think you either A, have a responsibility uh, to mentor other women coming into the profession or to serve as a role model? In other words, how can your and Katie's experiences and other women like yourselves help move the profession forward? So I'd say yes to both right? And it's a responsibility to mentor, but there's a difference as well in sponsoring. A mentor is coaching, but to become a sponsor, that's when you're in those succession planning reviews with HR and, and your peers and leadership, and you're sponsoring the advancement of women in careers. So I've been uh, a mentor and a sponsor actually for women my entire career. And I actually have the longest mentoring relationship that I'm still involved in with someone. It's been 20 years and we meet uh, once a month for 30 minutes to an hour, unless there's a situation that, that she may need more frequently. I remember she called me up once and she was getting ready to get a promotion. And she said, I, I'm not good at, you know, kind of fighting for myself and fighting for more. And we role played and she went in and they made her an offer for a promotion and she chanted back and she actually got 4% more of a raise and a higher title than what they were going to give her. So that's one example of how important it is to be able to be a mentor for someone. I've also developed a mentoring worksheet so that the person that's being mentored can think about what do they really want out of this relationship? What do they want to develop and what are their career aspirations? And then that helps me understand how I can best work with them to achieve their goals. 
So as a role model, so the second part of this, you know, when a woman holds a senior position, it conveys to other women that women can be leaders and it provides them the confidence that they can achieve whatever they set their minds to. As for Katie and my experiences uh, to move the profession forward, I'm just thrilled that people actually are starting to understand what supply chain is all about and what we do. And, and Abe is a, is a great voice <laughs> through ASCM and, and also through um, all the interviews and things that he's doing to really help people understand supply chain. We continue to focus on improvements in people, process, and technology. And along with ASCM, providing the education resources, and we're developing those future professionals and leaders in this field of work. Really extraordinary stuff, Pam and Katie. Uh, let me start with you, Katie. And um, of course, Pam, please uh, jump in here. Uh, you're both on the ASCM Board of Directors. Our organization has gone through some significant focus on diversity for the board. And uh, I think we can proudly say that we've made some significant strides on the board to not only recognize diversity of you know, participation and thought and you know, relevance for us as an organization. So when you take a look at our, you know, our responsibility as a company and your responsibility as a board member, what can we do to help promote diversity and inclusion across membership and across other organizations, um, oftentimes it's said that you have to lead top down. How important is it for our board to reflect a much more diverse organization? Katie? I think it's incredibly important. And I think ASCM can, can really strive to, number one, lead by example. Like you said, when I not only look at the board, but I look at the teams in ASCM, I see a very diverse group of capable and passionate individuals really committed to creating a better world through supply chains. And second, I think ASCM can be that voice. It was recently featured in the last annual salary survey that the gap between men and women in our field of supply chain under 40 has closed. That's that's excellent. Um, the ASCM Foundation also released in 2021 a survey on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the field with some really great insight. And lastly, the resources for individuals in ASCM, these can really foster an inclusive atmosphere within supply chain through tools like training, certification, microlearning, and most importantly, mentorship, like what Pam recently described. Yeah, well said, Katie. And, and I, would, I would just add, um, in addition to that, that ASCM uh, offers a career fair, which my company is going to be taking advantage of for interns and, and full-time um, people. And it's an opportunity, again, to bring that diverse talent into the industry, as well as having ASCM professional organizations that are in, in universities. I did uh, take some time off and I uh, fulfilled a dream of mine and I became a professor at a, a university and there was an ASCM uh, community there of, of students and to interact with them and, and to speak to them and to support them in their career decisions and um, giving them opportunities and exposure to sponsoring companies was, was really exciting. And we can do that through diversity of you know, universities that specialize in, in careers and diverse talent. Um, it's a great way to have that inflow of, of key talent and diversity. Pam and Katie, thank you so much for sharing your perspective. And more importantly, for continuing to lead what we know is a critical part of supply chains, not only today, but in the future. 
That is all the time that we have today. A special thanks to our guests, Katie Fowler and Pamela Dow. And finally, a special thanks to you for joining us on this episode of The Rebound. We hope you'll be back for our next episode. For The Rebound, I'm Abesh Kanazi. And I'm Bob Troublecock. All the best, everyone. Thanks. The Rebound is a joint production of the Association for Supply Chain Management and Supply Chain Management Review. For more information, be sure to visit ASCM.org and STMR.com. We hope you'll join us again.